Hey, thanks for coming to celebrate with us today. Um, we do have a, a theology of celebration. Uh, I know uh, Jessica was mentioning the fact that all throughout the Old Testament, there were feasts that were set aside times to celebrate. Um, but uh, how many of you remember that Jesus' first miracle was to keep a party going? Hello? 150 gallons of water, he turned it into wine, which is a lot of wine. And uh, not only was it a lot, uh, of, well, not only was it abundance, but uh, the guy who was serving it said, you just saved the best for last. I like that kind of God that we serve. He saves the best for last. Come on, anybody glad about that? So this is a day that we get to uh, pause, push pause, to celebrate, to be grateful for all the incredible things that God has done. Uh, I would say the last 34 years, uh, God has proven himself faithful. Amen. And uh, there's been a lot of faithful people. Uh, I don't want to just paint... An unreal picture, there's also been some unfaithful people. But none of you guys in here, so yeah, it's just, it's them, right? Uh, Yeah, 34 years, uh, quite a few dreams have been fulfilled, and the beauty is there's still more dreaming uh, and still more fulfillment to come. Uh, There's been many obstacles overcome. Uh, I am especially thrilled to just think back to all of the lives. Literally tens of thousands of people have given their life to Christ in this space. Um, And a lot of you have been a part of that, inviting people to church or praying or giving or serving. And uh, I I would say as we look back over uh, this last 34 years, the most important thing to Suzette and I would be, God has been glorified, and it's been a beautiful thing. I remember uh, I have a, had a friend, still have a friend, that uh, when we were in high school together, he was uh, on a track team. We went out for, uh, for a track meet, and he was so sick that he couldn't run, but he got a bunch of different, like, trophies and prizes, and I said, I said, you know, I think you're just resting on your laurels. You didn't do anything today. He said, well, at least I have some laurels to rest on. So uh, I don't know that our church has reached all the things that God wants it to reach, but God's done some great things. And I'm I'm very much grateful for it. And I don't, uh, I I think the beautiful thing is I don't want to go back to anything. But I do know that when we are remembering God's faithfulness in the past, it can build our faith for the future. So even though you might be walking through something right now, if there are times that you could look back and say, I didn't know how that was going to work out, but God did it. And I didn't know how that was going to work out, but God did it. And you're looking at something right now and you might be going, I don't know how that's going to work out. The same God right, who brought us to here will bring us to there. Amen. 
So as I've been thinking about this idea of this 34th uh, celebration and uh, what I've felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, here's a passage of scripture that really speaks to me and I wanna talk about it for a few moments. Philippians 3, verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained or already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. A perfect attitude is an attitude that says, I'm reaching for the future. No matter what you have uh, experienced, whether it's been great and you, a lot of accomplishments have taken place or you feel like hardly any accomplishments have taken place, a perfect attitude says, I'm not going to let everything that's happened keep me down. I'm going to keep reaching for the future. Amen. And, and that's, that's the, the title of what I want to talk about. And that's kind of the attitude I want us to carry out of today, that we are reaching for the future. Paul's attitude, and you know, you got to remember, Paul is writing these words while he is in prison. He is not in a great set of circumstances, but he had this attitude of, uh, I'm reaching forward. I'm reaching for the future. I'm not letting the past hold me back. And I think our attitude should be that as well. I am reaching forward. I'm reaching for the future. There's few things that are more valuable to you than your attitude. It's your attitude will eventually make or break you in life. Because it's easy to step back and go, if only I had a better job. If only I had a different mate. If only I had a mate. Uh, If only I had better behaved kids. They're probably thinking if only I had better parents, but uh, if, only I, if only I lived somewhere else, all, if only all this stuff wasn't happening around me, things would be different, life would be better. But I want to submit to you that when we change our attitude, we change our life, right? So while one person has been complaining about their job, someone else with a good attitude has been succeeding in their job, right? While one person has been making excuses for why Asheville is a tough place to get ahead financially, someone else has gone ahead and made a good living in Asheville. It's about attitude. While while, while one person has had a bad attitude around the house, 
making it miserable for everybody else. This is just in my notes for first service because there ain't nobody in this room. But one person's been making it miserable for everybody else. Somebody else gone ahead and made a happy home, right? What's been the difference is attitude. Attitude, your attitude. It's your outlook. It's your point of view. Uh, It's the way you see it. It's the way you think. It's the way you process the info that comes across the screen of your life. It's the lens that you see through. It's how you observe what's going on. The, the Greek word that gets translated attitude is a word phreneo, and it can mean to have a certain understanding, but it, it, ta- it gives this idea of you have a certain frame of mind about how you think and look at things. I love the way Jesus said it in Matthew 6, verse 22. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye, the way you see it. If therefore your eye is clear, if you see things right, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Your eye, your viewpoint, your perspective, the way you see it is going to most likely be the way it ends up for you. That's why I think it's so vital to soak ourselves in God's word so we can get God's angle and God's perspective and God's outlook because that always leads us into blessing. Amen. Your, your life is not happening to you, it's, it's flowing through you. And, and the truth is, our attitude is more important than the facts that come at us. Here's what's amazing to me. The, the one thing that you could change, because there's a lot of things we do not have control over, right? But the one thing you can change about your life happens to be the one thing that will make the biggest difference. That's your attitude. Amen. So I see in this passage a few components to having this kind of reach for the future attitude I want to talk about for just a minute or two. Number one, this component that says, I haven't arrived yet. Philippians 3.12, he says, not that I've already obtained it, already, already become perfect. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet. Actually, a perfect attitude is an attitude that realizes it's not perfect. Uh, a perfect attitude realizes I still have a lot to learn. It, it's, it's, this, it's knowing that my current thinking And my current attitude and my current faith and my current risk capacity has brought me to where I am today. It's created the life that I now possess, but a clear understanding to say, I don't, there's still a lot I don't know. There's still a lot I don't understand. There's still a lot I could learn. 
that a clear understanding of that keeps us in a teachable place. Uh, there's an incredible book written by a lady named Carol Dweck, and she's talking about fixed, data, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. And she's saying, people that have a fixed mindset, they are dead set in thinking, I'm right, and they won't do anything new or fresh because that would, that would put them in an uncomfortable zone where they are just stuck and fixed, and they're always arguing for why they're right. But then there's another mindset that's a growth mindset that says, I don't know at all, and I could learn some more things. I could understand a few more things. And you have yet to develop the attitude that could take you to the next level. You've developed the attitude that's taken you to this level, but to have a teachable heart, a teachable attitude, a teachable perspective on life is a beautiful thing, which... Let me just say, this doesn't mean that you don't know anything, but it does mean that you don't know everything, right? And if, if we want, if we want a, a fresh day, if we, if we want to reach for the future, we're going to need some new thoughts, we're going to need some new ideas, we're going to need some new attitudes. The, the challenges that we're facing now can't be changed with the same thinking or the same attitude that created them. So here's my encouragement to you today. Don't think you know all there is to know. Come on, just turn and look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. You got to be hungry enough. You got to be humble enough. You got to be teachable enough to change your mind. Second, aspect of this reaching for the future is this. Number two, I will constantly press on. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Perseverance is a powerful thing. Our church has not reached 34 years old outside of the fact that there's been a lot of perseverance. Perseverance, an attitude that says, I will not quit, I will not give up. I will keep on keeping on. It's a powerful thing. Uh, for good or bad, as I've watched the thousands of people that have come through these doors over the years, it is amazing to me the people that have quit. Quit God, quit church, quit their marriage, quit their calling. And there's God, there's something in reaching forward that says, you know what? I'm just going to keep on trying. I'm going to, if I fall, I'm going to get up and go again. One more time. If at first you don't succeed, don't go skydiving. No, you're, you're pretty normal. And 
the secret, or a secret, I should say, for marching into your future is this continual getting back up again. It's, you know, in this past 21 days of prayer, we encouraged you guys in a couple of things concerning your prayer life. Maybe you did what you set out to do. Maybe you didn't do what you set out to do. Maybe you said, I'm going to read my Bible every day, but you blew it. Who wants to raise their hand and say, that's me? No, no, you don't have to. You know, maybe you had certain aspects of things that you wanted to kind of incorporate into your life, and the truth is, you didn't stay up with it. You didn't keep up with it. I'm here. I'm your pastor. I want to talk to you. Don't worry about it. Just get up and try again. Just get up one more time. Just either be up or get up, right? Right? Proverbs 24, 16 says, A righteous man falls seven times and rises again. There's something righteous about you stumble, you get up, you go again. You stumble, you get up, you go again. You know, we all have heard the story of Thomas Edison, 10,000 attempts to invent the light bulb. I mean, let's face it, most of us, two, three, four, 10, 12 attempts, we're done. But this guy just kept on trying, kept on going for it. As a matter of fact, he was also known not only to invent the light bulb, but he literally wasted millions of dollars on useless inventions. One of the differences between a life that achieves excellence and a life that's stuck in mediocrity is this idea of perseverance, of pressing on. Mediocre just settles for what it can get. Excellence says, I think I can get up and try again. I think I can do a little better. I think I can reach for a little more. Excellence keeps on pressing on. The third idea is this. I will forget the past. How do you reach for your future? You got to forget the past. Now, we're remembering the great things God has done in the past and using that as a, as a bounce into trusting God's faithfulness for the future. But there's a lot about the past that you, we just need to let go of, right? Philippians 3.13, I don't regard myself as laying hold of it yet. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Man. All of us have got past sin, past regret, past failures. And those, those things can come up in our thinking, in our approach. And all of a sudden, we feel the shame. And we can't really step out because we feel ashamed. And, or, or maybe we just feel the regret. Or maybe we just feel the guilt and can I just tell you, there's not a person in this room that has lived a sinless life. And the only way that we're ever going to be able to stand right before God is to say, I receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gives by what he did on the cross, 
and my past is wiped away. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. We, you can't walk into your future carrying all the baggage of your past, right? Even past successes, even past victories, we got to say, thank you, Lord, for those, but put them aside and say, this is a new day. And I, I, I see this happen so often for people. They get offended and they carry that around. So now they hate every man because a man. Here we go. <laughs> Don't. <sighs> they got hurt in church. So now all of a sudden now church hurt is ruining their ability to be a part of a life-giving community of people Hey, you want to talk about church hurt? I got more than all of you put together. But, I, but honestly, yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> but the thing is, you can't keep carrying that hurt, that baggage from the past into the now. We've all made mistakes, but it, it serves no good purpose just to keep carrying that around with us. We've got to learn to let the past go. What's happened has happened. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube. It's out. And my encouragement is, is to you this, is like, if you got whatever you gotta do to deal with that hurt, deal with it, or that offense, deal with it. But you got to get up and keep moving again. I think I could park on this one all day, but I'm not going to. Isaiah 43, 18 says this, don't call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Somebody say new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Paul says this one thing I do, I, I, I forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead, right? The fourth idea that I want to talk about today, how can, we, how can we reach for the future is this, I will reach forward to what lies ahead. So Philippians 3.13, brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. The Bible's clear in the book of Proverbs tells us without a vision, people perish. Without something to go for, people die on the inside. They may be going through the motions, but they're not really living. And the perfect attitude says this, I'm, I'm headed somewhere. I, I may not have done everything great up to this point, but you know what? I'm reaching for a future. I, I'm going to grow. I'm going to expand. I'm going to increase. I'm going for the future. 
your future is in front of you. Hello? And when you lose something to reach for, when you lose something to hope for, you've lost something that's pretty darn important, right? I'm here to encourage you today to let the dreams of your future rule your life rather than the nightmares of your past ruin your life, run your life. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, there's something about believing for, hoping for, reaching for something, and something. Because what you're reaching for, it may not be the ultimate, best, vital, end goal, but in the reaching for that, you are becoming something that is going to bring you into what God has planned for your life. Come on, there are possibilities in front of you if you can just reach for it. There's a greater day that lies in front of you if you would just reach for it. Come on, your future is not back there. Your future is in front of you. Keep your eye on it. Reach for it. Last thing I want to say today is this. How do we reach for the future is this. I will recognize and cooperate with God's call on my life. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained, already become perfect, I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Let me rephrase that in another way. Jesus laid a hold of me. I'm laying a hold of that. it's, It's an attitude that says, I was born on purpose for a purpose. And I want to say this to every person in this room. You have purpose in this life. You have a reason for existing. It's not just to survive. There is this attitude of destiny that I want each one of us to carry. That I'm not, I'm not just trying to slug this out on my own make a space for myself in the world. No, you're destined by God, created and gifted uniquely. There's nobody just like you. So thank God. (laughs) There's nobody that can fill the spot that God's ordained for you to fill. Am I preaching this okay? Yeah, come on. Paul had this revelation that grounded his life. No matter what he went through, he knew that Jesus Christ had got a hold of his life for a reason. His life had a reason. His his life had a calling. His life had a purpose. 
He was destined for something. And he knew what it was. And when I look at Paul and when I see the people that can continue to reach forward and move forward, that sense of calling can keep you on track through difficulties, through misunderstandings, through when you're prospering and when you're struggling, when the sea was calm and the sea was troubled. Paul had this sense of, even though I'm in prison, I got purpose. Even though I, there's people in this town that don't care for me, I got purpose. He was guided by vision. He was guided by his sense of purpose. He knew Jesus had got a hold of his life for a reason. And I think there's honestly, there's too many people that are just, they just get up and go to work every day. They don't know where they're headed. They're just trying to keep the bills paid. And let me say, I advocate keep the bills paid. It's a good idea. But a life of vision, a life of purpose, a life of destiny recognizes the God factor. I, I hope you get this. Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10. Paul says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So a person who has this understanding, I'm not trying to make a place for myself in the world, God created a space. God created a place for you. And we're just discovering and developing and growing into it. Come on, you were created on purpose. You were, God did not have one of you. That's why he made you. I can barely see through all this fog, to be honest. But I got vision. <laughs> Our team's gonna lead us in a song. But I, I wanna pray because the only way you can ever fulfill your real purpose in life, your real purpose for eternity, is out of a real relationship with Jesus. Amen. So let's all stand to our feet. Let's worship for a moment together. You're the Lord. 
I just want to take a minute. Maybe you've never really surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life. I'd love to pray with you. Let's start that journey. Maybe you're here today and you could look back on a day when you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. Something's happened. You've made a decision. You've drifted. Something's taken place where you're not where you used to be, where you want to be. And I would love to pray with you. Let's, let's come back. Maybe you just don't feel confident about where you stand with God. And I want you to leave this room with a sense of, yes, my life is in Jesus' hands. Nobody's looking around. We're almost done. Just a minute or two more. You say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus. Or I would need to come back to him. I want to know for sure I'm right with him. If any of that speaks to your heart, we just lift your hand and say, pray for me. That's me. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, right where you are. No shame involved in this. God bless you. All over the room, just opening our life. God bless you. Thank you so much. All over the room, thanks. Come on, this isn't, this isn't a call like get your act together. This is a call, surrender your heart. Watch what God will do in your life. Anybody else? Just say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, we're gonna pray together. I'd like everybody in the room to pray this with me. This is for everybody who lifted their hand, but it's a beautiful prayer for us to all pray together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life, I open my heart to your love, to your Lordship. I need you, I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I've messed up. But I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning today. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.